Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and changemakers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, we're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of Leaders of the West. Today, we are sitting down with the one and only Tucker Brown, and we are going to talk about using your voice to strengthen the ag and Western industries or whatever it is that you do. Tucker, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, it's an honor to be here and uh, excited to talk about it. If you can't tell by, by what I do, this is a passion of mine. Oh, well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the history of the R.A. Bram Ranch for those who may not be familiar with it? Yeah, so I'm 29 and I live here on the R.A. Brown Ranch. We're a seed stock operation and been in the business for 128 years now, uh, dating back to 1895 and our goal is to keep the ranch in the family and the family in the ranch. And so uh, whenever we make decisions, that's kind of the lens that we look through of wh- how will this decision impact that now and how will it impact the future? So we raise registered Black Angus, Red Angus and Sim Angus bulls. We raise a lot of good quarter horses and we like to ranch. We, we like to be with the ranching industry and we, we like to use all the tools available to be able to do that. And breeding breeding cattle that can produce more beef on less feed is kind of where our passion aligns and, and be making them more efficient and do all the things right. And turns out that's kind of hard to do. So we have spent 128 years doing it. We haven't perfected it. And I doubt we do in the next 128, but we're always trying to. That is awesome. So as you mentioned, Family Ranch, you guys have been in business for 128 years. Obviously, family ranches have a little bit different dynamic. You guys have, correct me if I'm wrong, a horse side of the operation and then a cattle side of the operation. So can you explain what you then do on the cattle side of the operation? Yes, uh, that is an easy way to think about it. And the way that we think about it, too, is that there are two different divisions, but uh, we still are under the same umbrella, under the same roof, right? But I'm on the cattle side. I I love the cattle, the, the bovine side and, and marketing and breeding. So that's where I, my passions and likeness align up. Been back at the ranch now for six years and started as a rover and just helping anywhere I could, whether it was cleaning water troughs or gathering a pasture. And I've kind of worked my way through all the positions that we have, whether it was uh, the cow manager and feeding cows in the winter and prepping them for breeding and setting up cows for breeding or whether it's been uh, on the bull side, developing bulls, health checks, checking in our cooperators bulls and working with them or uh, the foreman spot on the ranch uh, I've had for just uh, for a short amount of time. And I have it right now, but thankfully we have hired a foreman to come and take that to not necessarily take it from me, but not necessarily a job that I, that I yearn for just because it pulls me away from the things that I love, like the marketing and, traveling and meeting customers that's that customer side is really where where i like to be 
So earlier this year, you received the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's 2022 Beef Advocate of the Year Award, which is a darn big deal. So what does that mean to you to be recognized by such a a longstanding organization as somebody who is such a strong voice for the industry? You know, it is it is pretty cool. And and it's a it's a big honor that I don't take lightly. There's been a lot of voices before me that maybe haven't gotten the recognition I think that they deserve. And so with them starting this award, I think is has been awesome because it, it even helps others push towards that even more of, you know, sharing the truth about agriculture and the uphill battle that we face with the false accusations that those separated from agriculture may think about or hear from different news sources. So it is a big honor to to be recognized by people who are trying to protect the industry and to, you know, just makes me want to do it more and hopefully others too, to be able to help the cattle industry and ag industry as a whole. What inspired you to start sharing your experience as a rancher with others? Oh, that's a, I wish I had a really cool story, but uh, I mean, my, there is a little cool story. I mean, my, my mother is a very gifted photographer and she's kind of been doing that. And I have some cousins that are really gifted too at being able to share the Western lifestyle through photography. <laughs> but it was actually Dale Brisby, um, the comedian, cowboy, bull rider, who uh, a lot of people know that kind of started that uh, funny comedian cowboy videos. And that's kind of what got got me started. I do some sports broadcasting. I, I really enjoy the media side. And so I was able to just join those two together of cowboy and broadcasting and media. And that's, this is what it kind of turned into. And it's, it's gotten a lot more attention probably than I thought it ever would. I thought it would be just for fun, but now it's, now it's a little more than that. You know, I will say, I think that's when the best things start is when you don't necessarily anticipate where they're going to go. That seems to be when they also start with the most, like the purest intentions. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause that's where it was from of, of just having fun with it and making some funny videos about myself. I mean, I enjoy making fun of myself and that's seems to be the best way for me to do it, especially in a world of keyboard warriors. But, uh, It's interesting. Oh, man. Well, so we talk about the fun side, but there's obviously when you are the voice of an industry like ag or Western industries, there is a little bit of seriousness to it. Mm -hmm. So what when it comes to sharing life on the ranch and connecting with consumers, who is obviously your ideal target audience, what kind of strategies do you use? Well, the good thing is the the best strategy that and it's such it's so broad. So I'll talk more into it. But the truth is the best place to start. And the cool thing about the ag industry is that there's no smoke and mirrors in in the cattle industry. There's nothing I'm trying to hide. And so I don't have to remember a lie. I don't have to, you know, there, there are a bunch of things that make it way easier because I'm only telling the truth. But the other strategies I use come, I think, from my family. Uh, My mother being a gifted photographer, she's really good at seeing, I call it the eye. She has this eye for developing and seeing the angle that makes the best picture that other people like. And uh, so does my cousin, Emily McCartney, and she she does that for a living. So they've helped me kind of develop my own kind of eye and seeing what other people really like to see. I've gone through more of the entertainment phase, I guess you could say, of 
following trends on social media and reaching more people through entertainment and trying to show a face of that it's not corporate farms that some may think of, but it's family ranches like ours where my daughter comes with me to the ranch and we move cows or feed cows or feed horses and uh, show them that, that we're people too. And that whenever they do buy things that whether it's from the store or locally that they support family ranches like ours. And so that's kind of the almost trying to show a face that they can trust. And I'm kind of riding on the, the tail coat of Yellowstone too. I mean, the, the American rancher lifestyle hasn't been this popular in a long time. So that shows created a lot of curiosity and people have questions. I want to answer them. Oh boy. You bring up such a good point. And you know, one thing I do think too, is we don't realize how many people are interested in our lifestyle. You know, over the last few months, I have had some different business meetings with some pretty like big, successful people outside of the ag industry who have no idea that I am a rancher. And when they ask me what I do and I say that, they have like instant reaction is, holy cow, that is so cool. I like you are living my dream. Isn't that so it's so inspiring to know how many people, as much flack as we feel like our industry gets, there are so many people who are genuinely interested and passionate about what we do. Oh, I think you're you're right on. One of the things I hear the most is you're you're living my dream. And that does help, you know, on those rough days, it does help me to remember that I have a job that I love and that a lot of other people love too. And so that kind of helps me put where I am in perspective and even though it you know, there are times where it hadn't rained for a while and it's hot and it sucks. But uh, seeing it in that perspective of a whole lot of people wish they were in my position in moving a set of cows horseback. When you can put it in that perspective, it sure helps me enjoy my job better through those rough times. But there are a bunch of people that want to be connected to agriculture anyway. I think all of us have a little bit of cowboy in us somewhere. And whether it was Yellowstone that brought it out or whether it was COVID bringing it out and them learning where their food comes from again, there, there's something in that that people want to be connected to a garden, to a livestock, and cowboys do that. And so that's that ranching industry has had a big comeback and people wanting to know more about it. Oh, I could not agree more. Okay, so I have some more strategy-based questions, but before we get to those, I do want to talk about negativity because Mm -hmm. as much as we all love social media, everyone has an opinion, especially when it comes to agriculture and where their food comes from. And I know getting negativity from others is a big reason that many people don't want to start sharing online. So how do you combat that and not let that stop you from sharing your message? It's a uh, challenge, a challenge that I probably wasn't prepared for for a little while. and. It, I mean, since then, now now looking at it, the, the negativity rarely, rarely bothers me, mostly because the most negative comments are from those who just have zero, zero clue. And I will never, ever see this person. I mean, that that's the way I have to look at it, because it goes back to telling the truth. And whenever they're saying something about animal welfare or 
the healthiness of beef. I mean, the, or the dangers of what they, or the maybe dangers they see, whether it's antibiotics or hormones. I think it goes back to the truth of where I'm confident in my ability as a rancher and I'm telling the truth. And that's all backed by data, backed by science, backed by research, which help. I need to know my stuff. So it pushes me to learn more about it. And as long as if I do respond to those, I'm responding not to change that person's mind, but rather change somebody else who's maybe on the fence or who reads that comment. But I think it says a lot when somebody really puts me down on a video um, and I'm able to respond by very logically telling the truth or describing what happened. I'll get some negative comments on some roping videos and when we're roping, it's to doctor something, to save something's life. And whenever you can say it like that and tell me like, hey, look, if I didn't, that animal would have suffocated because of pneumonia. And whenever you can give them the reason why, it really does help. But again, that I'm a people pleaser. I like people to like me and I like to love on people. So that was hard for me at first. But that's the strategy I've taken to, to get to where I am now, to where it doesn't it doesn't bother me anymore. Well, and you bring up such a good point too about what is someone's intention of their negative comment, right? Where is that mm-hmm. coming from? So is it because mm-hmm. they they know what they know, you know, for lack of a better word, and you're not going to change their mind? At the end of the day, is that really the person that you are trying to have as your ideal audience anyways? Yeah, that's, that's definitely not. You make a good point like that. Would I like them to see it? Sure. But the chances of, of me impacting their thoughts or their the way that they research is so slim. And and the, the audience I'm looking for isn't necessarily an ag audience either. I'm not trying to reach the people who already know what we do. And so when I do make some videos, I get some hate from some ag people too. They're like, that's not very handy of you, or we already know that. And I say, I know I'm not trying, I'm not making this for you. I'm making it for the teacher in Chicago who is teaching fourth graders. And she thinks it's really cool to learn how to saddle a horse or to learn that we feed the cattle like this. And so that, that's been the wild part is I'm kind of between two fires in the whole thing, you know, fires from both ways. And I find myself in there a lot of, being between two fires, kind of, I kind of thrive on it, I guess. No, well, and I will say that in my own experience, I feel like that is where I do get the most negative comments. People who have absolutely no idea, they, they are set in their ways. They think that agriculture and Western industries are terrible for the world and you're not going to change their mind. Or it's people from our own industry who do it differently and are not necessarily a cheerleader for others. But at the end of the day, for the majority of us who are sharing that story, those two parties, if you will, are probably not your ideal audience. So if you are somebody who's listening and you're really wanting to get into sharing your story, I would encourage you to figure out who is your ideal audience and always consistently be trying to educate and you know create content for that person. Really good point. Really good point. That goal audience kind of helps you help develop content and... When, when you can put yourself in your audience's shoes, it really helps clear up and give you ideas of what what I want to show or what you would want to show. 
Let's talk about developing content because I feel like that's another challenge for a lot of people and you do a fabulous job at this, Tucker. So creating content when you're on a farm or ranch while also working can be a real challenge, right? So how do you make sure that you're doing both well? That is a balanced beam for sure because from the from the ag industry side or being a cowboy, like that is a no-no to stop working or to have your phone out or a camera like that's just a big no-no you're you're ruining the the rhythm the you know the tradition of of working hard and so that's a that's kind of a new mindset thankfully my family and the people I work with have have been really good about it but we are continually surrounded by an area that a minority of people get to see get to witness and so you know we're surrounded by you know by the lord's country that in nature and so it's for me it's so easy to say uh, going to and i went to a a small private school in in lubbock texas which was mostly people who were not connected to agriculture and so going there for four years kind of gave me the idea of what they saw or what they knew or what they thought was neat so that's kind of the the eye that i look through and so Sometimes it's a quick picture. Sometimes it's a 12 second video. And whenever I look at it at that point of 10 seconds to get the video and it's going to help my page out that 10 seconds, I can video all that, still do my job and then edit whenever I get back home. I love that. Making the most of the time while you have it there, doing the harder stuff or the more time intensive stuff at a time where Mm -hmm. it doesn't impact your work. I think that's a good a good takeaway for people because I know that that's a big thing too, especially in far- family farms and ranches. You want to take a video, but you also don't want your dad yelling at you in the background to get out of the way. So I know right. that that's another another aspect that stops a lot of people from sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it is a challenge, and especially if you're by yourself. I mean, it's really hard to make that that content of you doing something if you're by yourself with moving animals, with moving equipment. And uh we have interns that work for the ranch and they tend to be young people who are really good with a cell phone and videoing. So that's, I kind of have that in my pocket that maybe most people don't, but whether it's a cousin or the, the person you're working with and setting your pride aside and saying, Hey, video me real quick, which is hard for me to ask. Even, even still today, I'm like, Hey, just don't give don't heckle me. Just video this real quick. <laughs> Uh, Which the heckling always comes after. I'm like, oh, sure, pretty boy. Yeah, you bet. (laughs) (laughs) There's never not a chance to heckle, right? Well, okay, so I'm going to jump ahead to a question because you were on this topic now. So what kind of like setup or tricks do you have to share with other people who are also balancing work and trying to capture those moments? Like, is there any like awesome piece or like technology that you use? Spills the details, Tucker. Yeah. The the neat thing is, is that uh, I tend to stay with one of the newer iPhone pros. They have a really good camera. I mean, you don't have to carry around one of the big ones in a backpack. All of mine is either from a drone, a very small percentage from a drone or um, my cell phone, just because I have it with me at all times. And uh, there are a lot of neat things that you can learn on YouTube of how to get the angle of what camera mode to use, whether it's cinematic, slow motion. And then, uh, I mean, TikTok's editing, I, I really, really like the way that TikTok platform has the editing. Instagram's getting better, 
Some people use CapCut, which is another free one. I haven't purchased any editing software. That's the neat part is that it's my cell phone and a free app that I do all of my editing on. So you, you don't have to have anything fancy. I think the fancy thing that I have is my cell phone. I have the 13 Pro, which there's a newer one out, but that's that's what I've been using. And the, I wish there were a secret, but just uh, I did a lot of editing through sports broadcasting stuff in college and even now that I do some of that. So it was learned through that and pretty self-explanatory, but YouTube is awesome to be able to learn really small tricks that make editing process a lot faster. Okay. Well, you said there was no secret, but I think you actually did give us a secret. It's easy. You already have the tool. You all have a cell phone, so you have the tool. Mm -hmm. YouTube is free. CapCut is free. At this point, everything is free. You already have the stuff. There's no reason not to share. We know why we're not going to worry about negativity. The secret is you just need to start doing it, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And there's a, the cool other neat thing is, is there are a lot of other people. There are a lot of ways to do it. There are people who are successful that do it way different than I do. that don't use any comedy or any horses. There's a lot of people that just do it on a tractor or a four wheeler, which I don't have either of those. So there's definitely different ways to, to make it work. That's just the way that I've found it and making it a little funny or a little entertaining or a little action. Because people like to live vicariously through their phone, you know, through the video they're watching and making it relatable is if I could give a secret, I think I don't even think it's a secret, but the videos we like to watch relate to us. And so making it relatable is so big, whether it's even if I'm making one about cows, if I can make it relate to people, that's when I have the most success on my content. So on that topic, how do you determine what is share worthy, if you will? I think a lot of it comes through, I do a lot of scrolling. I mean, that's kind of what gets my mind going through scrolling through TikTok or Instagram and watching. I watch a lot of other Western influencers or people in, that are influencers and other assets too of of learning how they do it. That's kind of my, I, I don't call it stealing, but I get what they use and then swap it towards my little twist. And so I think one of the hard parts about this is having enough content. And so if anything about anything is shareable, but for me, I try to keep a couple things in mind. I almost have four pillars that I try to rotate through of posting. And uh, I share my faith. That's one of my pillars. I share about beef. I like to share about, I mean, I, I follow the trends and I like to do some transitions just because I I really enjoy editing that. And then my fourth one, I kind of rotate. I'll do some marketing, whether it's through sports broadcasting or whether it's for a boot company or whether it's for a clothing line. But those are the four things that I continually try to bounce off of, put it under an umbrella in some sort. That is awesome. So this brings us to another really good topic. How did you determine those content pillars? I love that you said pillars because I always use that too. I have three, but how, if somebody has never heard of that before, they don't know what we're talking about, how would you suggest that they determine what their pillars of sharing are? Well, the easiest things to share are the things that are enjoyable or mean a lot to you. So my faith in ranching and beef are three things that I love to talk about 
that are easy for me to share. That's where my knowledge is. So I'm confident in the things that I'm saying or that I'm sharing. And the other thing is, is where I'm learning. It's, it's more of that, that marketing style of, of selling a product without making it a commercial. And that's where, that's kind of where I'm learning right now and trying to watch people who do it for a living almost and see how they do that and twist it into my own rancher way. But finding your own pillars, if you can write down, I'm a, I'm a big goal setter. And those, those three things are all in my goals of producing the most efficient beef. So I'm going to talk about ranching and beef and being a good father and a God-fearing man. So family and faith. And if you can set out the things that mean a lot to you and then rotate the, your post through your different pillars, the things that matter the most, I think that's where the posts are more genuine. It's, it's not like you're doing it for the numbers. But they're more genuine because you like it. I think they're uh, less room for a mistake, whether you're sharing a, a stat or a fact in any sort of way, because those are things that you know the most about or enjoy to study. Because I'm still having to study about you know, beef nutrition or uh, human nutrition, eating beef, or how to cook beef a certain way and sharing those things because I'm you know, content is a continuous thing that's on my mind as I'm going through my day. and. Whenever I see something, I'm like, ah, I'm going to research that before I post it. Because if I say something wrong, it's already out there. And that's the last thing I want is for me to say something wrong. Somebody have it recorded and say, oh, the advocate of the year said this. I mean, he's wrong. And that's come with some weight. And now I definitely look my numbers up before I say it. You bring up such a good point about social responsibility, though, because I don't think that that's something that we really do talk enough about. You know, we encourage people to share their story, but how do we also, I don't want to say educate, but reinforce the importance of sharing factual information and not just sharing solely for the purpose of sharing? Because I I mean, I do see quite a bit of that online now, just sharing to share. And it's not necessarily the most accurate information. And at the end of the day, if it's not accurate about the industry, it has just as much chance to do harm to the industry. Yeah. In that moment, uh, the way I like to look at it, some listening or, or you may have been in a grocery store picking out a steak and somebody says, hey, that doesn't say anything about antibiotics like that. Has that been treated before? In that moment, when they ask you that, you are the face of the entire industry. At that moment, whatever you say, that person, whether they believe it or not, you're the whole face for the whole industry. And it's the same way on social media. If they stop scrolling and watch your video, you are the face for 15 seconds, for a minute, or however long that video is. You're the face for the industry. And if I can look at it through that scope of can NCBA watch it and want to share it? Or can uh, the, the Texas Southwest cattle raisers want to share it because it's true? Or would they agree with me? Or would they see the facts or the data uh, that I'm sharing? So, uh, you know, I, I do tend to put my, my thoughts into there of what I think. But I, I really do like to share the facts because I don't think facts are debatable. It's like you may not like that cattle die to feed you. But in reality, we have people who who need protein, who, who want to eat. We have a world that we're trying to feed, and this is a way to do it by transferring grass that we can eat into a really high-quality protein that people can. And so that's, that's the way I've got to look at it. 
Ooh, I love that. And especially continuing to educate yourself. So what what are some of the resources that you use or websites that you use to, to check your facts, if you will? Yeah. NCBA is, I mean, they just started that, that award out probably five years ago. And with that, they've come out with a, their own website that has these beef facts on it. And I also like to Google whatever I'm doing because some people will say, well, that's from NCBA. Of course they would say that. So I try to find outside sources that say it also, maybe some universities, maybe some from, I mean, there's some wild ones that I've found like in uh, the New York Times or some other, even in CNN, I've found some. I, I haven't necessarily said it, but if people ask, I'm like, hey, here it is. Like it's, this is where they're saying it and I'll give them multiple. It's hard for me to say something off of one article just because you can find about anything in an article today. So I try to, I do try to find a couple, but one I use a lot also, beefloventexans.com. They have a, a resource guide and you can click on it for resources and you can search what you want to look at, whether I can search uh, hormone use in cattle and it will bring up articles about that, which has been really helpful. Ooh, that is awesome. I love those. And I will make sure for those of you listening, if you were driving and needing it to write those down, we will make sure that those are in the show notes as well. So when it comes to sharing your story and being a voice for the industry, do you have any other last words for us? Yeah. One thing I do like to share, we do hear that a lot. Share your story, share your story. But we talk about people being separated from agriculture and now we have been separated from those people. And so we almost have to relearn to communicate with them or, or speak in terms that they understand. So the NCBA has a program called the Masters of Beef Advocacy that really, I mean, some of it's very simple, but even if you learn 10%, that helps you learn to communicate with my, I mean, it's my audience that I'm trying to reach, that one that's separated from it. So um, the Masters of Beef Advocacy MBA is almost a quiz type. It's all on computer. It's free. And it walks you through the whole process from front to back, from the cow being bred all the way to the steak on the plate. So it's a, it's a really neat process that helped refresh my memory. And then it helped me learn how to communicate that. And to, you know, when you're the face of the industry for that 15 seconds, it helps you to use the right words, gives you word suggestions on how to say things that may click more with a person that is separated from agriculture. That's one thing. That's a, that's another, I guess, secret that I'd have to share. I love it. I love it. There are no secrets here, right? We want we want everybody right. in our industry to have the knowledge so that we can all succeed, so that we can all grow, so that our industries can continue to be here for the next generation, right? There shouldn't be that's secrets. Right. So that's why we're here, to spill the beans. I am going to get into the rapid fire questions now. Ooh, what right. is the best piece of business or personal advice that you've ever been given? One of my coaches, my basketball coach, and, and now my really good friend, said a couple words that I really take to heart. He said, rather than praying for a lighter load to carry, pray for broader shoulders to carry the load. And I, I think that we do wish a lot that we had less on our plate or, or less on our shoulders. But then he always says, he's like, why not just be stronger to be able to take it? Why can't we take it all? Pray for those broader shoulders to be more courageous, to, to be stronger faith, whatever it is to, 
be able to do that. And another one that I really like that my dad shares with me all the time is uh, don't let what you want cause you to use bad judgment. And there's a lot of things that we want and shortcuts that we want to take those bad judgments, but don't let what you want cause you use bad judgment. I use a lot. Oh, those are both so good. Not that I expected anything less by any means, but man, those are (laughs) awesome. Okay. So similarly, along those same lines, if you could give people any words of wisdom and you knew that they would take it to heart, what would it be? Oh, uh, it comes from the good book. It comes from the Bible. And in James chapter one, it says, uh, brothers and sisters, you will see trials of many kinds. And there's a couple different versions, but see joy in trials of many kinds before. So it makes you better. It makes you stronger. It's, it goes right with the words of wisdom I said earlier, but uh, rejoice in trials of many kinds because it makes you better. And if you want to ask for it, after all of that, it will. Ma- I'm putting this in cowboy terms now, but it'll it will make you perfect. Which we're always we'll never be perfect in the Lord's eyes. But when those trials do come, I used to put it on. Uh, whenever I played sports, I would put James one two on my shoes, on the tops of my shoes, so that if I ever put my head down, that that's what I would see is that rejoice in trials of many kinds. Ooh, I love it. Okay, if you could go to dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who mm-hmm. would it be? Oh, that's a dead or alive. I know. I really stumped you with those. You did. You really did. I love to be around people that are that are really passionate. And whenever I think about that, there's a couple of people that come to mind. But uh, but one of them who is one of my heroes whenever I was a kid that I would love to have dinner with would probably be Steve Irwin. I like that. Yeah. I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> I I loved his passion for for what he did. And that tends to drive me towards my passion. So just thinking of a dinner with him, of hearing why he loves what he does so much would just drive my passion wild towards wherever, wherever I would want to go. Oh, man, that is awesome. Anything that lights your fire, encourages you to chase those dreams. We can't we can't not be supportive of that. Right. Well, Tucker, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I'm sure everybody is already following you, but if by chance they're not, where can they find you? Uh, the three platforms that I do most of my things on would be TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Tucker Brown R-A-B. That is my, my handle, Tucker Brown R-A-B. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. Do us a favor, take a screenshot, tell us that you were listening. And let us know what your favorite part of today's episode was, what you got the most value of. Make sure to tag Tucker, tag of the West, and better yet, make sure to share this with a friend who you think would be a good voice for the industry who needs a little encouragement or inspiration. And Tucker's words may help them start sharing their story and doing so responsibly. And with that, we are done here for today, but we will see you back here next week. If you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries, and you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. 
We'll see you back here for our next episode. 